and over the walls for Dead Mouse. No, we're playing at Yacht tonight, so everybody come down to see Yacht uh, all the way from New York here at the Biltmore. Portland, bro. Oh, they live in New York now, though, don't they? Do they? I think so. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, shite. Maybe. Well, that's embarrassing. They're from America. Yeah, <laughs> they're very the from America. They're very exotic. Yacht, MySpace. I'm gonna check right now and see. Team Yacht. Let me see. Uh, it says Portland on the thing, so I. I think they still live there. Yeah. Oops. I'll just put my shoe in my mouth and uh, sign off for the day. And I think the billboard is open till three o'clock in the morning. I think. I'm not positive though. We're gonna be burning the midnight oil. We're gonna be burning the midnight oil tonight. Yeah. That's for sure. Bring your coffees. Oh yeah, guess what? Uh, Richard Branson came to our awesome rave the other night and danced while we were DJing. <laughs> there, that's a good story. There that you go. Doesn't happen every day. There's your story. Yeah. You got any other stories? Um, I talked to... Uh, who did I speak with today? Can't remember. Sorry. That's a good one. Not that important. All right. Not that important. Crap. Okay. Yeah. Right. You got the Biltmore tonight. Do it. Be there. It's our first uh, Radio Zero show of the year. We got uh, Washed Out and um, Small Black coming up in March on the 30th. Washed Up. That's going to be really, really awesome. Washed Up. I call them Washed Up. Like I have a weird mental block and I call them Washed Up all the time. Yeah. All right. What is this song we're listening to? Bad Romance by Lady Gaga, the Hercules and Love Affair. Oh, this is the Hercules and Love Affair remix of it, of Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. You heard it here. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Radio Zero. Go to RadioZero.ca to get our new mixtape. Go to Twitter.com slash Radio Zero Radio to look at our Twitter. (laughs) It's over. (laughs) See you guys next week, or see you tonight at the Biltmore for Yacht. Stay tuned for Nardwar. Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, interviews with Timothy Leary, Africa Bombada, Leaky Lee, and Weird Al Yankovic. To begin with, here is a clip of a good friend of Timothy Leary, Richard Alpert, a.k.a. Baba Ram Das, And he actually recorded this in Vancouver in about 1968 or 66. Here's Baba Ram Das, and in an interview with Timothy Leary on an Ardwar to Human Serviette radio show. The wild geese do not intend to cast their reflection. The water has no mind to receive their image. If I could sing or play an instrument for you, I would sing and play an instrument for you. If I could dance for you, I would dance for you. If I could paint...
paint for you, I would paint for you. But my thing is words. Words. But the problem about words is that you may listen to them. And that would be a mistake. For all I am doing is painting with words. And the message that is being sent is nonverbal. Anything you write down in a notebook to take home, to think about, forget it. For in fact, I'm not going to say anything that you don't know already. So, Dr. Leary, the news from Washington is there is no news. What's the news now from Timothy Leary? Oh, wow, that is a complicated question. <laughs> um, we are approaching the 21st century. It is going to... Uh, everybody knows that the old systems are over. Communism and uh, the old... Religions. Yes. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows that every politician is corrupt and is interested in only one thing, uh, himself. And uh, there is a, a global sense of sorrow and grief because we, we hate to lose our, our ideals. But then... Uh, at the turn of the century, a, a new a new species will be born. It's going to be born. There's a global language which will be. I know it sounds funny when I say this, but it's based on Nintendo, and the Nintendo kids will then suddenly be sending um, history and religion. You see? That's scary. Uh, what? That sounds scary. Well, you can be scared if you want. You want. You like the old way? Then go back. I don't like yeah. the old way. Name of the cross. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you the Hugh Hefner of LSD? Now that is the dumbest question. Dumb. I want to. <laughs> Who's got the award? I mean, <laughs> I want to congratulate you. I have been uh, interviewed thousands of times, and I've met the greatest professional <laughs> crazed interviewers. And you're right up there with. Uh, oh, he's the best. He's the Joe, Joe Montana, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm Nardwar the human serviette, Timothy Leary. You are, you sure? I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> Is going through life without a psychedelic experience like going out life, going throughout life without a sexual experience? Well, I'd hate to have either <laughs> way of life. People ask me how many times have I taken LSD? Now, I've been experimenting with the brain for like 40 years, you know. I say, it's like, how many times have I made love? I don't count, like Will right. Chamberlain, the basketball player. But there's one thing I know, not enough. <laughs> not enough. When was the last time you were busted? Oh, about uh, seven or eight years ago. Did you have any trouble at the border here coming into Canada? I had an enormous amount of bureaucratic red tape. Uh, enormous cost me several thousand dollars to get lawyers and so forth. <laughs> but um, I, uh, they, uh, they finally came through. You know, they asked me, um, you laugh at that, to show that I have been rehabilitated. They want the
names and addresses of uh, prominent uh, respectable citizens like uh, clergymen <laughs> or politicians and I said well yeah I will give you the names of the uh, two uh, officials from each of the four state universities that, that uh, brought me up here so. <laughs> well, uh, uh, <laughs> that was a bad move huh? <laughs> did you really meet Charles Manson in prison Timothy Leary and did he really supply you with some hallucinogenics i.e. marijuana no, uh, I, I was in the same cell uh, next to Manson for one night. Legends have developed about that. Um, he did not give me any drugs. I would never take any drug from anyone who does not have the qualities in their eye that I want from that drug. So I never take drugs uh, from Manson. This is, this is Tim's tips to the young, okay? <laughs> don't, don't, don't get drugs from Manson. How about, how about Elvis? What about Elvis? Did you ever meet Elvis Gilligan or Frank Sinatra? I've met Frank Sinatra, uh, who is a very suave and uh, courteous uh, mafioso. <laughs> Bill Gates? Yes, I know uh, Bill quite well. Yeah. How about Brian Wilson? Would he be the same today if he didn't do LSD in the 60s? Be, this, be different for him, huh? You think it made a difference on his life, on Brian Wilson's life? Well, it ended it. How come? I know, are, you, are we talking about the same thing? You're kind of getting off here. So why, why is Brian Wilson the way he is today, and why are you are the way you are today? I thought you meant the one from the uh, Rolling Stone, from the... Um, no, not Brian Jones. No, Brian Jones. No, Brian Wilson as in, you know, fun, 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 fun. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a kindly man. I, I try to say nothing negative about anyone, but uh, I've always considered Brian Wilson to be a, uh, a p pathetic moron. <laughs> I mean, he, he, it's not his fault. The DNA, you know, they have to have morons out there. You know, I, I don't think that he's a charmless or anything evil, but he's just plain, uh, his elevator doesn't reach top floors there. So. Speaking about childs, um, are you related to Winona Ryder or Uma Thurman at all. Last night I had the pleasure of being uh, Winona Ryder's home in Beverly Hills where we watched on her big screen her winning the award for the uh, Best Supporting Actress in uh, Days of Innocence. Her brother, young brother, was with her and I was sitting next to uh, David Furman, the rock and roller from... Uh, uh, from What's it from? You know, that's Dave Perner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yes, I, uh, I'm very, very close to Winona. I think she's a brilliant, brilliant person. Uh, Winona Thurman's mother was my uh, wife. We first met. We were on a, I was on my honeymoon with Uma Thurman's mother when I met you in Calcutta. Remember the tall blonde woman? Yes. Yeah. That's Uma Thurman. She's the mother of a famous actress now. No? I remember her. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Did JFK Timothy Leary ever do acid? I don't know. They say he did. But you dropped with Marilyn Monroe, didn't you? Uh, no comment. I don't... Uh, after all, we have to keep certain. You don't, you don't drop and tell. <laughs> have you ever made money off your work? I have ended up every month of my life in the hole. I've lived basically, you can't believe, uh, the debts I have. Uh, I basically live on the largest and uh, uh, compassion of my friends. I work my ass off. Uh, but I knew that. It's the job of a philosopher. 
uh, particularly a Socratic philosopher who teaches young people, corrupts their minds by telling them to think for themselves. It's, it's a hard job. Someone has to do it. Badly paid. Can be dangerous to your health. Is there a patent for acid? Is somebody actually making money off it? I don't know much about details. Uh, I don't think they're making much money, but uh, I, I, I know, I'm, I'm not into chemistry and finance. Well, how does it make you feel that more people, more young people are doing acid today than ever before? Well, I don't think around uh, at night, you know, uh, tossing and turning around the pillow. <laughs> anyway, so there are a million more things happening. Um, and again, what does that mean, acid? Uh, because the government's policy of restriction and uh, the government does not regulate or uh, help you know what acid is. You don't. Nobody knows what acid is. My advice is that not, do not go out and get acid from someone that walks up to you in a trench coat in a bar and says, hey, here's some acid. Uh, like anything else that's precious in life, uh, you should know what you're doing. And if you're going to share this experience, do it with someone who shares your spiritual ambitions. And when you look in their eye, they have that same holiness that you're looking for. But, uh, do you still have a mind-blowing experience once a week? I'm having one right now. <laughs> I want to tell you. I think hey, the room is having But you've met right Nardwar now. now. Being locked up in a cell with him. In the, <laughs> is, uh, Are you on any drugs right now, Timothy Leary? Coke. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. You know, coffee. Coffee. Is Prozac the legal LSD of the 90s? <laughs> Where do you get these guys? Do you have committees of, <laughs> committees of monkeys that type them out and things like that? Uh, I, I'm not an expert on uh, legal drugs. Basically, I don't like legal drugs. Just think of it. If the government legalizes a drug, there's got to be something wrong with it. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> Alcohol, things like that. Didn't you design some rides for Disneyland? But for, uh, go back to Prozac here. Um, uh, I'm fascinated that they are learning more about the brain because the brain is a series of 100 billion computers and we're learning how to punch up and boot up and format and yes i think it's wonderful if true that a person who is uh, terribly depressed not to go to a doctor i don't think you should have to go to a doctor you should be able to go to a, a committee of a ministers or your, or your friends and so forth and uh and uh with the help of your friends yes i think it's wonderful that there are these chemicals that obviously are designed by dna to make the brain react this way so basically although i'm not giving product endorsements uh, about prozac uh, I, I think in general the idea is good but of course the doctors are now running around and making billions off it naturally and the pharmaceutical thing i think that uh, any psychoactive psychedelic psychological drug should not be sold. It's almost so. It's like selling uh, pardons. You know, the, the priests used to do that. Selling uh, sacraments. Um, I think that they should be uh, regulated uh, by a society. Uh, certainly, young people shouldn't take them. But the very idea of, uh, of selling uh, psychoactive drugs. It's worse than prostitution, in a sense, uh, and 
I, I haven't thought this quite through. So uh, Sounds good so far. Be gentle with me. <laughs> Listen, let's take a break here for a minute and uh, I'll ask you some questions, huh? Okay, sure. Well, How long can you uh, stay uh, quiet? <laughs> How long do you want me to stay quiet? Oh, well, I just have a question. I just wanted to, or you to elaborate about the new species thing. You didn't talk about it very long. About the 21st century and a new species. and the Nintendo kids. Yeah. From the 21st century? Mm-hmm. The great, when you look at the newspaper or the television, cable, whatever, uh, it is... It sounds overwhelming. There's so much violence and lowest common denominator and fear. But one thing is becoming clear from all of this horror. And we've known it for thousands of years. Particularly, two major groups in society have known it. As a matter of fact, two major groups that are majority have known it. But only now are we beginning to realize that the cause of almost all human conflict and problem is the ruthless repression of women and children by men, armed men or, or strong men, using force or threat of force. And I would say 90% of the dads in the world, no matter how much trouble they're having at the office or whatever, when they come home, they know they can kick uh, the kids and uh, uh, their mother. And I think uh, we're aware of that. Uh, Obviously, of course, the American media, you're going to get, I don't know about Bobbitt, whether the whole thing, I'm not a judge, or the, the uh, you know, the uh, justice, what was the guy's name? Uh, Thomas. Yeah, Thomas, thank you, yeah. I can't rule in all these cases, but the very fact that we now understand that the abuse of children, do you know that in Southeast Asia, like in India, there are millions, hundreds of millions of young children who are forced to work in the, uh, in the cotton mills. You know that, even around Calcutta. Slaves. And that's worse than me. Uh, American slavery was horrible. At least it was slavery of adults, but to enslaved children. In, in countries like Thailand and Cambodia, um, they sell off uh, young, young children, both girls and boys, for like $300 into a lifelong... Send the prostitution. Ashok, what do you have here? I want to. What about and like formatting your computer brain? I mean, do you think you can do that without without drugs? Or do you think? Yeah, I guess that's my question. All your talk about accessing <coughs> the entire functions of our brains <laughs> post-terrestrial. What, what the computer and quantum physics has made clear to us, and what neurology has made clear to us, is. The basic nature of the universe is chaos. We simply, our minds simply can't understand it. Computers can't help us. Uh, also, the, you see the title of my uh, lecture uh, today, tonight, performance is How to Operate Your Brain. And yes, I think that uh, psychedelic drugs, which allow you to, 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 you know, to kind of fine-tune, get a little crazier, hey, you want the walls to breathe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we turn him into, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, yes, the ability... Of course, he's going to turn me into... To, ...to precisely and safely uh, design your own hallucinations and to communicate them using the new multimedia stuff. Yes, it's a very... It's a big breakthrough, and that will be the language of the future. Didn't you design some rides for Disneyland? No, weren't you once called upon to consult for that at all, Timothy Leary? No. 
would never happen. What about Richard Alpert? Like, you're here in Vancouver performing tonight. What are your memories of Vancouver? Wasn't there, like, the Johnny Appleseeds of LSD that lived in Vancouver? You jump from Richard Alpert to Vancouver to Johnny Appleseed. What's the, what's the point here? Well, Richard Alpert recorded this record here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he recorded this in Vancouver. Good for him. This Rabba Bandas, and it goes right here. It goes, uh, describing his early days with Timothy Leary and his introduction to psychedelics, Baba Ramdas, and tells us growing it. That's like recorded in 1969 in Vancouver. Good for him. I didn't realize that. And what do you remember going on in Vancouver around that time? Listen, uh, I'm so senile, I don't remember what was going on last night at this time, so... <laughs> what is your name? Anardwar. What does that mean in English? It's like sting in English. <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> um, Timothy Leary, is G. Gordon Liddy the anti-Timothy Leary? No. Uh... He has a million uh, uh, characteristic personality. I have a million, and uh, uh, maybe 50,000 of them were different, but what's this bullshit about anti? Anti-Christ, anti-God, devil? There's no such thing as anti-Timothy Leary. You're betraying a feudal, if not worse, uh, theology here. The anti-Timothy Leary. <laughs> I'll, I'll get him and I'll put him on a cross and I'll put a sword through his side and I will make him a crown of thorns baby yeah he's anti <laughs> are you born a Christian uh, I think they splattered some water on me but I actually prayed to a lucky chestnut actually don't have one to give here tonight but actually I'm reading from a quote from Newsweek magazine 1968 Dr. Timothy Leary the work of the psychedelic 1968 1968 well for Christ's sake I did the person that's here now I have almost no relation to that person right this is tying in all to that the work of the psychedelic scholar politician is over with love and confidence we turn our work and our planet over to the young and their prophets Alongside Psychic TV, who would this circle of 90s prophets comprise of? Who's Psychic TV? Genesis P. Orange. Did you do some work with him? Orange? Orange? Your video, Psychic TV. Oh, yeah? There's like a band called Psychic TV. I know. Why'd you drag him in? Is he not a 90s prophet of Timothy Leary? Well, now we're getting into prophets. <laughs> I've got an anti-Christ uh, in Lydia, and i got a prophet in uh, Genesis. Did you ever... Genesis is a very uh, talented uh, northern English guy who uh, uh, had a great moment in England when he started uh, Throbbing Gristle. He uh, used his children a lot in, uh, in naked uh, stuff. Do you know that? No, yeah, so he's, he's, no, he's not the Timothy Leary of the 90s. He's a nice guy, but... Uh, Who is? You are. Pam. <laughs> Pam, the promoter's night of AMS program. What oh, the concept of is and the, the, the Antichrist and the anti-this and who's that and all that, these are, this is very primitive uh, thinking. Okay, here's something simple, finally, winding up here, Timothy Leary. Do the guys with LSD get the most chicks? Uh, 
the vulgar sordidness of that question is beyond, is Olympic. Getting chicks. I mean, what does that mean? Getting chicks. I mean, that is a very vulgar uh, 50s term. Man, you are out of it. You really are out of it. All right. Thanks so much, Timothy Leary. And do-do-do-do-do. Me too. <laughs> do you remember? All those scenes are yours to relive. All those girls are yours. Do you remember? All those scenes are yours to relive. All those girls are yours. Do you remember? All those scenes are yours to relive. All those girls are yours. Who are you? I'm Africa Bambada. 
the godfather of hip-hop last millennium, the Amara of universal hip-hop culture this millennium. And Africa Bombada, who'd you have beside you? This is the great man that they call, and he can speak for himself. Emperor Kamanzi, I, King Kamanzi, Universal Zulu Nation International Spokesman and MC. Peace. Africa Bombada, is hip-hop's birthday really November 12th, 1974? Well, hip-hop birthday that we say is November 12th is when we decided to call this whole culture hip-hop. Hip-hop even goes further than that, but when we decided to name it hip-hop as a culture, meaning with the B-boys, the B-girls, the MCs, the aerosol writers, graffiti artists, and the DJs, and that fifth element that holds it all together, what we say in the Universal Zulu Nation, is the knowledge. Knowledge, culture, and overstanding. Now, why November 12, 1974? What's the significance of that date? Well, that's the date that I decided we should name this as a whole culture and stop moving from there. And November is the time where people used to party inside in the um, centers or community gymnasiums or many of the inside clubs that we had and where people will come and have a enjoyment time and everybody got together and got down to the hip-hop music that was being played by all the great pioneers at that time. Africa Bombada, what can you tell me about breakbeats? What are breakbeats? Breakbeats is that certain part of the records that makes the audience get crazy on the dance floor. It could be just a few seconds. It could be a minute long, but you take it and you extend it, and it's, it's a lot of breakbeats. Now, today, breakbeats are a whole lot of different things. They, get, they call them drum and bass breakbeats. They had the breakbeats of the certain songs of funk records, rock records, hip-hop records, uh, soca records, anything that has that certain sound, that certain beat, that certain certain bass, that certain grunt, that certain movement of the record that just makes different sounds when you scratch it. These are all part of the breakbeat sound. Africa Mbada, one particular breakbeat I wanted to ask you about was this one. What can you say about the importance of the incredible bongo band's breakbeat? Well, this is uh, the national anthem for all hip-hop people, especially the B-boys and the B-girls. Um, this is a, one of the songs that Cool Herc and myself used to play back in the day in the Grandmaster, Flash, Bunga Rock, and Ina Gita Vada, and all the drum beats that was coming from this great group, the incredible Bongo band, many good sounds on this album. And this is one of the albums that used to get cheap for $1.99, and many of the stores have started selling from 25 to 30 to $50 just for this album album. It's a great album, a great group, and a great sound. Africa Bombada, if you turn the record over, I wanted to point something out. Check out where this record was actually recorded in... Well, I don't know. It was a really recorded Vancouver. This looked like because this never I never seen this on here before. So somebody might have just put that there. No, it's really recorded in Vancouver. Michael Viner's incredible bongo rock is recorded here in Vancouver. So does that mean Vancouver's kind of ground zero for hip hop? Then I don't know because all my old albums I never seen that on here. So <laughs> I couldn't say it was boiling. Some people say it was recorded in the West Indies. Others say it was recorded in England. So it's hard to say. It's the first time I ever seen that on there. So no, it's really recorded in Vancouver. That's what you say, but that's not what I seen years ago. No, it really is. I'm not joking. The musicians may not have been from Vancouver, but it really was recorded. I couldn't tell you, because back then we didn't have that special thanks to Camp Bay Studio Vancouver. This looked like this was just put on here. No, it wasn't. But this is an 
important record, though. This a record. Important record, but I don't remember seeing that on my album. My original albums was nowhere on there. I wanted to also ask you about New York. In the 1970s, the early 70s, how many abandoned buildings were there? I've read there was like about 6,000 abandoned buildings in New York. What was it like back then? Well, I don't know what area part that they was abandoned. Certain part of the South Bronx was abandoned, but in my area, you had many buildings. It wasn't like what they said, broken glass everywhere, and you're like in the messes. You know, we had a lot of projects, a lot of housing development uh, houses and things in my area. So you had a little section that had abandoned buildings in certain parts, and maybe in Harlem and Brooklyn. But then later on, people fighting like crazy to get back to the Bronx now because it's upswinging and all type of nationalities and races are moving in like crazy. Africa Bombada, was it like the movie Blade Runner? No, it was nothing like Blade Runner. What was it like back then in the Bronx with all those abandoned buildings? What was it really like? Because you were a warlord. What was it like back then? Well, I hear everybody keeps saying like abandoned buildings. You know, if it was abandoned buildings, then where was everybody living? So don't go for that. That's just a, a story that many people are trying to put out. It had some abandoned buildings, but you had a lot of buildings where people was living at. You had people who was nurses and doctors. You had other people who was construction workers. It was life there. You had people who was into drugs. You had people that wasn't into drugs. The same in anywhere else. Just like Vancouver has a drug problem. So, you know, we had many things over there. You had abandoned buildings, and you had buildings that where people lived in. Africa Mbada, what's the importance of Blackout 77 to hip hop? Well, Blackout 77 got nothing to deal with to, to hip hop. It's just when people, when the blackout happened in New York, the whole city went crazy. Meaning it was going crazy. They was going to stores. It was chaos. It was wild in the streets. But then everything got back to control. And people was living as they always live to move on in life. But Africa Bombada, after Blackout 77, weren't there a lot more turntables on the streets? Didn't a lot of people go into stores and take turntables during Blackout 77? No, not true. Whoever came with that is talking a lot of BS. I read that in the book, Yes, Yes, Yes. Yeah, well, Yes, 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 got to get it together. That don't even sound right in his act. Africa Bombada, what is the correlation between doo-wop and hip-hop? Well, doo-wop was the sound when people used to be on the street corners and they used to get in harmonies and used to be singing, had a lot of soul. And, and then hip-hop is where people was taking the, the, the certain beats and groove that might have been in doo-wop and, and added it to a break beat and started to funk it up in the hip-hop community. And now you got hip-hop music that's happening. Did any doo-wop groups give any hip-hop groups any respect in the 70s? Well, you had some doo-wop groups that loved it or what we was doing. And you had some people who, um, not just doo-wop, but people that was into um, professionalism that claimed that, oh, this is not even music. This is going to be a fad. It's going to fade away. But look, hip-hop is still here, and it's definitely going to take over the universe. That's right. Africa Mbada, you were one of the originators of the block party. What's the importance of a lamp post and a block party? Well, block parties when you go out and you um, set up your equipment, your DJ equipment, your turntables and the speakers and all that, and you try to get the power. Either you could get power from somebody else's home by getting long extension cords, or you could um, take the power straight from a lamp post. Africa Bombada, is this right here the very first rap record right here, King Tim III? Can you tell me? I'm only wondering, what is the first rap record? Well, it depends on how you look in that rap. We could say this is the first of, started with the first rapping um, that led up to what we call hip-hop. So King 
Tim the Dirt from the Fat Bad Band was the first rap record that came out on a 12 inch. But if you want to get and dig deeper, we could look at Pig Meat Mocking when he made Here Comes the Judge. We could go back in the 60s and look at Shirley Ellis when she did the name game and the clapping song. You could go to the Three Dogs Nights when they did Joy to the World. You could go to the Sly and the Family Stones dance to the music album hit on the B side when he was rapping. And all the James Brown records, call and response records was rap records. Go back to Bo Diddley. I mean, rap could go so far back, but this is the first of what we started with coming out with what you know today as hip-hop culture. Started with the Fat Back Band doing their first rap record out there. Whatever happened to King Tim the Third? Did you ever see him around? What happened to him? You gotta ask the Fat Back Band. Did you ever see him back in the day, King Tim the Third? Only when he was doing his little disco shows when he was doing, because this was the start of with the disco rapping. Then when Sugar Hill came with the Rappers Delight, came more towards the hip-hop style of rapping. Africa Bombada, who are some of the great unrecorded rappers, hip-hop artists? Unrecorded is a great one by the name of Super Nature. Very, very, very funky brother that um, he could just look at certain things you had, uh, a telephone or a key or, or a picture, and just started rapping and rhyming and drawing down on the words. And there's another brother that uh, started doing some recording afterwards by the name of Immortal Technique, which is heavy on the political tip. Africa Bombada, did Run DMC mark the end of the golden age of hip-hop? Run DMC is the second uh, or the, the really the third wave of the hip-hop culture that started out that um, took it a little further when we did um, Time Zone's World Destruction, the first rock record with um, hip-hop, and then came Walk This Way with Aerosmith, the second record, and they just took it to other um, elements and other vibrations that they gave to the people with their style of hip-hop. Africa Bombada, how did punk rock help pave the way for hip-hop? Well, punk rock didn't pave the way for hip-hop, but punk rockers are the first of the white people who started um, respecting and loving the sound of hip-hop. It was at the same time when um, hip-hop was coming out, punk rock was the, the people who was being against what how rock music was supposed to be made or played, and the same with hip-hop was against all the disco after a while to show you how the funk was supposed to be made and played. So they both uh, started liking each other, especially when the University of Nation started um, playing in many of these um, new wave clubs, and everybody started um, intermingling with each other. Africa Mbada, of course you did World of Destruction with Johnny Rotten, the original punk rocker. What other punk rock groups had you seen before that? What was the first punk group that you saw? Well, I worked, you know, worked with John Lydon, um, Public Image. He was also known as um, the Sex Pistols. I also um, knew um, Blondie, Debbie Harry. We knew um, Susie and the Banjis, um, Adam Ant, um, Billy Idol, all these groups that was happening at the time, the Romant the Romantics, the Ramones, you know, a lot of people that used to come by my clubs when we used to play and DJ back in the day. Africa Mbada, what can you tell me about this particular new wave slash punk band that's been heavily sampled? What's the importance of ESG? ESG is one of the first records that I started playing with a song called UFO. And these are some sisters and brothers straight from the Bronx that had a different sound than all the other music that was happening in the Bronx. And it was the UFO record that I was pumping all over the place that started a lot of hip-hop DJs to jump on their record and made them get big. And a lot of other records that they came afterwards, we just kept that sound flowing because they had a little funky sound that was hot.
And they weren't necessarily hip-hop, were they? They were more new wave sort of punk, weren't they? It was like new wave punk funk. Something like Rick James, the punk funk king. Africa Bombada, you're the godfather of hip-hop, but aren't you also the godfather of crunk? Well, I'm the godfather of crunk. I don't know nothing about the crunk because I ain't dealing with the crunk. So you got to speak to my man that they call Dr. Dre and and, and um, Big Little John and all the posse down there in Miami that dealing with the crunk, crunk, crunk. But I'm the godfather of hip-hop culture, last millennium, the armor of universal hip-hop culture, this millennium. I would say, Africa Bombada, you are the godfather of crunk because the 808 drum machine, you're the first person to bring that to record in a hip-hop style, and Little John's still doing that today. If it wasn't for Africa Bombada, to be no crunk. Well, crunk is depending on how you're looking at what is crunk. So we want you to go back to research what the word crunk means and what he really was talking about. The 808 is the electro-funk sound, and Little John was doing electro-funk back in the early days with Jermaine Dupree, with, all, with Shorty Lee, My Way, and my boo, so he's very well averse on the electrofunk sound. Africa Bambada, who was Pam Bada? Pam Bada was one of the Zulu queens who was hot back in the day. She was a female DJ and an MC that used to shock the house and turn the mother out. Africa Bambada, again beside you, who do you have? The great emperor, King Kamazi. Peace. From the Zulu Nation. From the Universe Zulu Nation. It was also on Dark Matter, Moving at the Speed of Light, Got That Vibe, and many other songs on the album. So he's the version of the Zulu Nation in the 21st century. What did the 20th century Zulu Nation look like? Was there some ski goggles involved in the Zulu Nation? Was it ski goggles involved in the Zulu Nation, brother? Well, when we talk about hip-hop gear, we take anything, whether it's ski goggles or scully cap. We can make any style hip-hop. What you're wearing now, we could flip and make it hip-hop. So there was ski goggles, there was gloves, there was all type of stuff. Whatever you wanted was hip-hop. And it's all about fashion. It's all about the movement, how you speak, how you walk, how you talk, how you look. The vibration, and remember, none of this would happen if you ain't dealt with the fifth element of hip-hop, and that's the knowledge. Africa Bambada, are there any Canadian members of the Zulu Nation? What Canadian members are there of the Zulu Nation? There's Canadian members. We have a a large chapter over there in Toronto. We have some of the brothers and sisters over there in Montreal, and there's a few that's out here sprinkling throughout uh, Vancouver. So, you know, there's a lot of happening up here in the Canadian. And, and big ups to all Missy and all them that, that, that was up, Missy Lee and all them that was up here back in the early days who pioneered hip-hop for Canadian type of hip-hop culture up here. Missy me. That's right. Africa Bombada, the dance floor is empty. How do you get the dance floor full? What song might you play? Got to play the funk. Anything that brings that funk, because funk is, the, the, is your own reward. Without the funk, you become a dip that becomes a piece of... Excuse me. <laughs> but any specific song at all, Africa Bombada? Any specific Anything song? Anything by James Brown. Put James Brown on that, the floor's going to get hot. Africa Bombada. Public enemy. <laughs> There's been a... Fu- the MC. <laughs> Africa <Not> the Dre. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Africa Bombada. Uh-huh. There's been a fight on the dance floor. Then you have to go do some DJing. What song do you put on after a fight on the dance floor? 
Well, you know, we try to stop the fight, and when they fight, and we try to get people to, to calm their situation down. We try to bring them back to um, peace, unity, love, and having fun. Try to let them know what hip hop's all about, and fighting would only destroy it and makes other people who try to say and say hip hop all it brings is violence. They have to understand is that's individualism that's bringing uh, and causing problems in that, or certain rappers that they're trying to blame. You can't blame all people that's into hip-hop culture say if one rapper did something wrong see what them hip-hop people do no that's just a rapper doing his thing when you say hip-hop you're talking about all the culture african vada but what's a particular song that'll calm people down it's hard to say there's many great records that could calm people down you know you could go back into the credible bungle band Oh, Recorded in Vancouver. Well, that's what he said in Vancouver. <laughs> or you could go back into um, some James Brown sex machine. Or you could go to some public enemy. Or you could go to some of what's happening now with Missy Elliott. You know, music make you lose control. Africa Bumbada, the great thing about you is you've always experimented and played the most wild, incredible tunes. Have you ever played and have you ever met Muhammad Ali and this particular record, Muhammad Ali versus Mr. Tooth Decay? Well, this whole album that I got here, um, Muhammad Ali, when he's speaking to the kids and and trying to get people to... To, to, uh, to brush their teeth. Brush their teeth and to, to take care of their teeth and stuff. And, and Muhammad Ali's a deep brother that's, you know, the whole history you can research on Muhammad Ali on, on the internet and, and, and many books and movies about this great man and Muhammad Ali also seen UFOs. Now you wouldn't be afraid to play something like this on the dance floor, would you? If it's funky, if it got breakbeat on there, I play this joke. I play the most weirdest, crazy stuff that you would ever see or hear on the dance floor. Did you ever meet Wilt Chamberlain at all? Wilt Chamberlain? No, I haven't met him. How about the village people, Africa Bumbada? Village people, I've met them and, and seen they show and, and seen them in the the um not the was it Donna Summer movie? Uh, they made some I can't remember the movie. Can't stop the music, maybe. Can't stop the music, you know, it was a good movie that they was in, and they used to rock the house for the disco era at the time. In fact. In the early hip-hop days, the only two groups that we could play that was still left out of the disco was the Village People and um, Donna Summer. That is great. The Village People get some props from Africa Bombada. Thank you. All right. Africa Bombada, did you ever meet Kraftwerk? Many times. That was my group. What was the interaction between Africa Bombada, Planet Rock, and Kraftwerk? Well, Kraftwerk is one of the groups who I, uh, I idolized and liked a lot from bringing the techno pop or what Yellow Magic Orchestra was saying that there was techno pop. So it was Yellow Magic Orchestra, Kraftwerk, and Gary Newman, and a man by the name of John Carpenter that brought you your Halloween soundtrack movies, and Dick Hyman, who I used to check all their different music. And I said, you know, we need some electro funk made from this sound that was the techno pop. And dust came from the Sly Family Stone and the James Brown and the George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic, blessing me to have that funk to, to make the birth of electro-funk with myself, Arthur Baker, John Roby, and the Soul Sonic Force. Africa Bumbada, what did Kraftwerk think of you? Like, what did they think of you sampling their record? And what was it like when you first met them? What did they have to say to you? Well, Kraftwerk was cool. He was cool. He was, um, we were met up in a, a club in Paris. We were supposed to do some songs. There's some books I've seen when they were dissatisfied, but they had their little 
troubles and beef with off the bacon and them, but everything got cool. Me and them as musicians, we was we was cool with each other, and um, we never sampled the record. It's played live. That's how bad John Roby it is. Everybody think it was sampled, but he played that sucker so good that people thought it was like a sample record. At that time, it was a sampler. We had live musicians that just knew how to draw down on them synthesizers. Africa Mbada, did you ever do any DJing with 50 Cent in the audience? What does 50 Cent think of Africa Mbada? Did you ever see him when he was growing up at all? You would have to go and ask 50 Cent what he think of Africa Mbada. I don't know what he thinks of Africa Mbada, but I like some of his music. Only thing that I got to speak to my brother, 50 Cent, come holler. Robata, winding up here, another thing which I think is amazing, aside from playing any sort of tune, you're also into William Cooper, who believes there's going to be an alien invasion, but it's not aliens, it's actually the government flying UFOs. What do you know about government-controlled UFOs? Well, for many people, you just go to www.zulunation.com and look on the books for your mind list. There are many things that's out here. We are not alone. And then there's um, a book that's called 50, Re- 50 Years of Repression, which is showing that um, even Hitler made UFOs back in the days. So there's nothing new to the government government and it's nothing new to your bible so if you read your bible more closely and and carefully and if you go to ancient any ancient culture especially in africa or ancient kemet which you'll know as egypt today you will find out we've been dealing with extraterrestrials for many years and it will will definitely be keep dealing with them as many years to come because many technology you have today is on alien technology and it's going to get more deeper as these years come to full and look out for what is it 2012 2012. What's happening 2012? Because William Cooper believed on July 5th, 1998 to be an alien invasion, but it didn't happen. So what's happening in 2012? Well, we really don't know if it have been an invasion or not, because you, as you know, a lot of technology has been definitely moving, so you don't know what's going on, um, what's walking around here, what people looking like, are the clones in the governments or what up. But it's a much research stuff that you got to go out there and research on. And for many people that think we're alone, you crazy as hell, you're on a planet The people say, oh, you really think there's something out there? We are out there. The earth is out there. And you think that's something. Check out the hollow earth theory. Hmm. African Babata, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Well, to the people over here on the planet so-called Earth, we want to say you better respect Mother Earth. She is a living entity. If you don't respect Mother Earth, she will spit your ass out. And that's why you had the tsunami. You had the Katrina. You had over 60,000 people who lost their life in earthquakes in um, Turkey, in Venezuela. There over 30,000. And it's going to get more and more funky. That movie, The Day After, was a movie sent by the creator to make all humans wake up so you need to go back and watch the day after 10 times the same way you need to go back and watch all the matrix um um, movies over and over 50 times before you get a overstanding africa mbada why should people care about africa mbada and the zulu nation because we are an organization who's an international hip-hop awareness movement that respects all nationalities, respects all type of religions, we respect all type of knowledge of thought, and we even respect anything outside our universe, inside our universe, in the universes and in dimensionals and time zone, as well as our subterranean world of beings that are inside our Earth. Well, thanks very much, Africa Mabada. Really appreciate the time. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do.
Funk you. <laughs>
Who are you? Who am I? Who are you? I'm Nardwar the Human Serviette, and who are you? I'm Licky Lee. Licky Lee, how do you pronounce your name? I've seen it pronounced all different sorts of ways. Uh, I say Licky Lee. Licky Lee? Licky Lee. Licky Lee? Licky Lee. Licky Lee. Yeah, almost, almost, yeah. Almost. Well, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. Now, in Sweden sometimes, people give each other gifts, don't they, on Saturday or Sunday mornings? Uh, no. Well, they do here, and although today is not Friday or Saturday, I have a gift here for you. Yes, this is for you, Liki Lee. Oh my god, what is it? Should I open it now? Yes, it has a connection to you. What could this gift be? Um, Swedish pancakes? No, it is something to do with you. Uh, something that you have. What do I have? Oh my god, Andre 3000. Do I have it? I thought you have a ringtone, an Andre 3000 ringtone. Yeah, yeah, I do. How do you know that? Well, we all know. We're following you, Leaky Lee. Oh, that's so cool. I really like him. And he's I wearing underwear. Do uh, Yeah, it's nice. I think he should have no underwear, but it's nice. What do you think about the hip-hop stylings of Andre 3000 and the Outkast? Because you're a big fan of the hip-hop, aren't you? Yeah, I love it. I think it's really unique and it's, it's fun to watch. You know, it's like the good old days, you know, like James Brown and watching all those crazy outfits. I think people should dress up more. What do you think of my Vancouver outfit? It's amazing. And you bought that in today, yeah. That's incredible. Oh, it's really nice, right? Like, no, not all, just a jacket, yeah. Have you been looking for something like that for a long time at all? Yeah, I have. It's the perfect winter's jacket, I think. So now this is going to show up in a whole bunch of your photo shoots? Yeah, I think so. Along with the Andre 3000 doll? Yeah, yeah. You really do love the hip-hop, though. For instance, A Tribe Called Quest. You're repping A Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, I did. Do you do that every night? You have like a song where you pay tribute to A Tribe Called Quest, don't you? We actually do A Tribe Called Quest cover. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I try not to do it, but then every time I go on stage, I just feel like doing it. So I do it every night. <laughs> That's what's so great about you, Lukey Lee, is that you're so spontaneous in what you do. Could you kick out a bit of that for us? Because I've seen these great sort of internet performances of you like on a park bench and you're doing a song. Could you kick out a little bit of the Tribe Called Quest for us or anything in, for Vancouver? Yeah, I guess I could. So should I do it just a little bit? Yeah, that would be really great. Okay. But I don't, like, I don't rap so good, you know, but I just like doing it anyway. So can I kick it to all my people who can quest like a tribe does? Before this, did you really know what live was? Comprehend to the track and its rockers. Getting messes on the tip of the vibers. Rock and roll to the beat of the funk fuzz. Move your feet real good on the rhythm rug. And if you feel the urge to freak through the jitterbug, come on, spread your arms if you really need a hug. Afrocentric living is a big shrug. A life filled with, mm, that's what I love. A lower plateau is what we're above. So come on now, now can I kick it? Tribe called Quest in the house. I don't know if it was that good though. That was amazing. It wasn't. Does that bring down the house every time you do it? People love it, don't they? It wasn't so good now, yeah. I thought it came out great. You've had a lot of experience though at Hip Hop Ground Central, haven't you? You grew up or lived a little bit of your life at Bushwick, New York? Yeah, only for a few months though. But that's an interesting place. What can you tell the people about Bushwick, New York? I mean, it was it was good times. It was hard times, but it was good times, you know? It was a Puerto Rican, so they called me Blanquita. They were like, Blanquita, you know? So, um, I don't know what to say. It was, it was nice. Well, there was a story I heard that you told. Something about a cab driver chasing you home. You took a cab and then he followed you home? Yeah, that happens occasionally. And then you saw some guys and you started to run and they started to run after you? Yeah, then like... I 
I was walking down the street as well, and somebody got shot, you know, also when I was on my way to the tube. Yeah. This is all in Bushwick, New York. Yeah, Bushwick, New York. What were you doing there? Were you working on music at that time? I came there because I wanted to, to learn something about life and music, so I came there and that was really cheap to stay at the time, so um, I went to open mics and I went out a lot partying and, and I was writing some music, yeah. Did you go on any of those hip-hop tours at all? Hip-hop tours? Just like hip-hop tours, they showed a history of hip-hop since you were down there at Ground Zero. No, no. How about Swedish hip-hop? What's Swedish hip-hop like? I've heard of an artist called Timbuktu. Yeah, that's my friend. I know him really well. He's a friend of mine. What can you tell the people about Timbuktu, Swedish rap? He's really talented. Um, and I think he, he's actually one of the, the few hip-hoppers that I like in Sweden. He's really, like, he, make, he has his own style and it's very, you know, it's modern Swedish, I would say, you know. Do you get many American hip-hop bands tour in Sweden? A few, a few, yeah. Have you seen any? Um, I probably have, but I can't remember one now that I think of it. But, um, yeah, but I can't remember. Now, Lucky Lee, what I find really interesting is that Sweden is hip-hop, but of course they have hip-hop. But Sweden also had lots of great punk rock. Yeah, they did. Like, for instance, I find it fascinating, absolutely fascinating, that your mom played in a punk rock band. God, where, I have to get this. Can I have this? I don't, I don't even have it myself. What is this particularly? What can you tell the people about this? This is my mom. <laughs> um... Yeah, what should I... This is your mom in a punk rock band. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun that you have this. And this is like from 1977? Actually, 1980, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know, you know. Where did you get this? It's so cool. Now, this particular record here, what are they singing about? What is your mom singing about on this? What can you say about your mom doing punk rock in Sweden in the 70s? Because this is pretty cool. Girls rocking. I think that this song my mom wrote as well, and it's... um. It's, it's my dad has met another lady, so it's like uh, he talks about his dad that's met a, another lady. Um, and then uh, she, oh, it's like some, some efforts, like you're f***ing with my brain. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's about like emptiness and, and about dad finding another girl. This is pioneering, pioneering punk rock from Sweden. I don't have this. I have to have it. We can arrange something for you, Liki Lee. But it doesn't stop there, though, because you're talking about your dad. Your dad played in a punk rock band as well, didn't he? Where did you get all this stuff? It's amazing. Yeah, where's my dad? Here's my dad. There's your dad. So your dad was in a band. What can you explain? Your dad was in a band, Dag? Dog Vog. Dog Vog. And what were they like? I mean, they were they were a cool band, you know. It's really fun when I go home, like to my friends, you know, especially when I was younger, and they were like, "So, what is your, you know, we're having dinner, you know, after we played?" And then they were like, "Oh, what does your dad do?" I'm like, "Oh, my dad is the silver surf." They're like, "Oh my God, is he? I remember back in the day we were smoking weed, you know." And they tell me all these stories, so it's a good like icebreaker, you know. Because your dad started as kind of like punk rocker. Bikili hiding the seven inches. But that's even back. But that is really great though that your dad and your mom together doing punk rock. Now here I am in Vancouver representing the punk rock. Representing but your dad also moved kind of mainstream because I thought your dad's band is pretty cool, like three hundred thousand copies of records he's sold and they're doing so like Egyptian reggae. Yeah. Like a Swedish reggae band. That's awesome. Yeah. There was a quote about your dad that said he quote danced naked on roofs. Is that true? I don't know, but I, I hope so. Was there a lot of nakedness when you were growing up, Lucky Lee? Yeah, actually, I was naked all the time as well. 
Another inspiration, possibly, and one you're kicking out on this tour, is this artist right here. Oh, yeah, Wendy Renee. And what can you say about her? I mean, she is, like, fabulous. I think she only had one record, and but the whole record is just heartbreaking, you know. She has one of the best voices. And, I mean, this is the song I really wish I wrote. I think... I wrote it subconsciously. <laughs> and you've been covering that quite a bit on this yeah. tour, haven't you? It's, it's, and I do it well. You should come. As this tour progresses down the coast, you're going to be playing California, aren't you? Yes. Are you going to be on an upcoming TV series called Rockville, California? I don't know. Am I? I saw that you were going to be on some TV shows. Do you know if you're doing any USA TV shows, like actual drama TV shows? I don't know, actually. Am I? I mean, like, as an actress or what? Yeah, I thought you were appearing, like, as one of the bands that would be on the show. What sort of TV? Do you have anything coming up? Do you know your daily schedule? No, I don't. They gave me too much cigarettes on the bus, but I don't think it's, it's only tobacco. No, I'm kidding. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You do learn quite a bit from TV. You were saying in an interview that you learned a lot about rock and roll from a Joe Strummer documentary. Yeah, yeah, he's the best. What TV station was that on? Not a TV station. It was a documentary about him called The Future is Unwritten. So, I mean, I just got a lot of inspiration from that one. The video that you have, I'm good, I'm... Gone. Where did you get the people there in that video? I love the drummer. Who's the drummer? What can you say about the drummer in that video? Is a is a female bodybuilder. Um, so uh, we found. I mean, we were like searching for people, and then we called like the national like bodybuilder team and asked if they had some some nice ladies that wanted to be in the video. Who else is in a video? There's a whole bunch of great people there. Is it hard to get bodybuilders into a video? No, you just gotta like motivate them. You know, I think they like they like being in front of a camera. Did you instruct them how to dance? Because you're a great dancer yourself. So did you help out with that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. It's not really dancing, but I did, you know, show them some movements and stuff. What can you say about the Vasa Museum? Oh, I've never been there. That's what I can say. Is that near where you live? The Vasa Museum in Sweden. That's a famous ship that sank, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Stockholm is really small, so everything is kind of near. But I don't really... I mean, that's not my cup of tea, you know? Because I was thinking Vasa Museum, and then I was thinking of Vasa bread. Kind of connected, right? Bread is more my cup of tea. What sort of food do you like? Do you like fishy foods at all? Yeah, I actually do a lot. Yeah. Sweden is quite famous for the fishy foods, the interesting fishy foods. Like, for instance, the Sir Stroming. Ooh, I hate that one. What yeah. is Sir Stroming for people that don't know? It's like stinky fish? Stinky fish. Like, the thing is, though, it's a very traditional, like, we're not so traditional in my family. Like, I'm never there, like... I miss all the, like, you know, I'm never there on Christmas and stuff like that. So I, I never really had those kind of foods until, like, recently, you know, and I really don't like it. But it's only recently that it's been okay to eat the fish. Hasn't there been some problems in Sweden with eating fish, a lot of pollution, but now people can actually eat the fish? People have been eating fish all along. I thought actually the fish population got a bit healthier. Yeah, probably. Now, there is another bit of fish I would like to ask you about there, perhaps. Likili, and here it is. Kalis. Oh, yeah. What can you say about Kalis? What is this, for the people that don't know? This is fish roe um, that you have on a sandwich, and then you, like, uh, you slice some egg on it. Like, it's really good. It's really good, actually. It has a really weird uh, taste to it, but this is what the people eat in Sweden. Do you have lots of it? No, like, I, I usually never eat it, so, but my sister likes it, I know, so whenever she's home, she buys it. And your name is? Lucky Lee. Lucky Lee? Yeah. And that means in? In what? Norwegian, that means? No, that's not true, actually. No, that's not true. I heard it, that you meant happy. No, I mean, Lucky means, like, um, 
what's the deal? Like, some people thought your name meant happy in Norwegian. No, it doesn't. I mean, um, it means, like, if you say, like, lykke til, that means, like, good luck. So it means, like, luck in Norwegian. Yeah. Because that kind of puts a bit of stop to my next theory there, Lukili. And right here, this is what I was wondering is, what can you tell the people about this that we're about to eat? I don't know. I know they have this. Is it in Norway they have it? Yeah, it's a Norwegian delicacy. Yeah, I don't like it at all, actually. It's a goat cheese. Yeah, it's, it has a really weird taste to it. You should try it. Would you like to have some right now? No. Or some kales? No. All you want to do is eat vinyl records right now, right? Yeah. I'm going to walk away with this one, yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time. Do you really enjoy Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada? I mean, are we the producers of the best thrift clothing? Where did you get this jacket? I, I bought it a really on Granville Street. It's a really amazing store. So, yeah, I love, I love the vintage shops here, yeah. You're not wearing your black hat. No, should I? Yeah, I love your black hat. Uh, I don't know where it is, even. Because not many people wear hats on stage these days, do they? I don't need... I wore it, like, once on stage, but I usually wear it, like, a lot. Maybe I should just have it like this today. There's also a band called Wild Birds and... Peace Drums. And they're going to be coming to Vancouver. Are they? Yeah, they're going to be playing here in November. What can you tell the people about them? They are really good. I think uh, Mariam, who's singing, she has one of the best voices I've ever heard. Like, live, they're just amazing. Like... They're so good. So you should really check it out, like really. Why should people care about Lucky Lee? Um, why not, you know? Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Um, stay fresh and clean and don't do drugs and, and take care of the environment. Don't like throw things like this, you know? Pick up your trash. What do you think of the backstage here at Richards and Richards? Yeah, I think they should pick up their trash. Does this look like any town USA? It looks like every town USA, no? Well, uh, thanks so much, Lee. Lee. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Watch my back so I make sure you're right behind me as before. Yesterday, the night before, tomorrow.
Who are you? You know, a lot of people think I'm Kenny G, but I'm not. I don't play the saxophone well. Uh, I'm uh, Al Yankovic, but you can call me Al Yankovic. Weird Al, welcome to Richmond, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you very, very much. Weird Al, I have a quote here from Hunter S. Thompson. Good. Is he, does he say something pithy and unique? This is what Hunter S. Thompson says, and he says, he say? When the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. And I certainly did, didn't I? That's what I was wondering about. What about mainstreaming of weird? Weird, look, how do you become weird these days? You have to take, a, it's, it used to be a four-year course, now it's a five-year course to get accredited. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work, and I don't recommend it for the timid or the meek. Where does weird go, though? Like, where can weird go these days? Where can you take weird? You know, I, weird can, you know, has been assimilated into our society. You could be uh, a, a weird uh, belly dancer or a weird CEO, president of a multinational conglomeration. So I really, you know, weird is all over the place these days. Well, do you feel a bit jealous at all, Weird Al? Because Justin Timberlake, with his dick in a box routine, that won an Emmy. As well it should have. <laughs> it should have. But that means like weird going mainstream. Totally mainstream. He's scooping you, Weird Al. Well, I don't look at it as scooping me. I look at it as me laying the groundwork so Justin Timberlake can have his moment in the sun. So like the weirdness is out there. It is. More than ever. More than ever. You know, I, I was the, the pioneer, just like the, the, the foundation, laying the foundation as it were for, for, for the rest of our weird society. Now, when you think of weird society, you think of UFOs. Are you into the UFOs? It depends what you mean by UFO. What do you define a UFO? Uh, uh, well, you mean like, you know, something from Plan 9 from Outer Space? with yeah, The classic brain? Roswell, Stanton oh, T. Friedman. Oh, oh, yes, yes, indeed. Well, I certainly believe they are unidentified. So, and they appear to be flying objects, so I think they probably are unidentified flying objects. Because Weird Al, UFO guys now are so struck by this weirdness in society that they've left UFO studies. They're struck? Yes, they have. My goodness. UFO guys now are mountain biking in Afghanistan. That's crazy. I've always wanted to do that. Because, like, they gave up. They gave up the UFOs because it's not weird anymore to do the UFOs. i got to get myself a mountain bike. What, what am I thinking? Weird Al, have you interacted with any weird people at all? Not so far in my life, but I'm looking forward to it. If you know any weird people, you know, give them my uh, email address. Well, this is what I was wondering about. This particular weird person, Blowfly. Are oh, you fly. What can you I tell? I used to shave his uncle. What can you tell the people about Blowfly? He is on Weird World Records. Uh-huh. I, I, I've, uh, I haven't heard a lot of Blowfly's material, but I've heard him described as an X-rated Weird Al Yankovic. Which I was wondering about. Would you ever do any weird parodies? Would you ever do any weird X-rated parodies? Or have you done them Weird Al? But, but then people would confuse me with Blowfly. And, you know, we, we get confused on the street all the time. You know, a lot of times I'd be walking down the street and people go, Hey, Blowfly! And I go, No, no, no. Blowfly looks like this. I, I bring this album cover along with me so I can show the difference. This is me. This is Blowfly. And this is Blowfly's friend. But they do have some similarities. They do. Al and Blowfly do Blowfly. have some similarities, don't they, Al? Yes, less than a syllable apart. Well, the similarities, for instance, Blowfly takes a song sitting on the dock of the bay and turns it into <laughs> on the dock of the Bay. He got in big trouble from Otis Wedding's Rife, but then, believe it or not, you know what happened? What, what happened to Otis Wedding's Rife? 
Well, a Blowfly was able to show a picture of him and Otis Redding together, and everything was, you know, okay. You can do anything with Photoshop these days. So I guess what I was wondering, Weird Al, what pictures do you carry with you in case somebody gets mad about the songs you're covering, and you're like, look, we're friends! I don't carry them with me. That would be too easy. I got the Polaroids on a vault, my friend. Weird Al, Blowfly has a message for you. I contacted Blowfly, and he has a message for you. Let's hear it right now. This is Blowfly's message, Weird Al. Al, would you do a split single with us and finally unite the two weird parody artists. He did not say that. Yes, he did. Give me, let me see that. He did, right there. Right there. I contacted You're Blowfly. You're right. You're right. I contacted Blowfly. So would you like to address Blowfly at all? Blowfly, have your peeps talk to my peeps. We'll do lunch. And weird artists will come together. We, we, it could happen. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Now, Weird Al, are you familiar with journals at all? Yes. I've seen journals like this. They have a lot of paper in them. Now, this particular journal belongs to whose journals is this? It looks, it looks like Kurt Cobain's journals. Kurt Cobain's journals. And if you could open up to the anointed page there, please, Weird Al. This is Kurt Cobain's private journals. Wow. Where, where did you get this? I got it at a bookstore. It's for sale. Everything's for sale. Wow. Now, if we could open up oh, Kurt Cobain's Kurt, journals there, Weird Al. Post-it note. To the post-it note. What do we see in there? I've indicated some things at the bottom. There's two things I'd like you to read there at the bottom, Weird Al. It says, oh. It, the first thing says. It says, it says uh, this is according to Kurt Cobain here. It says, Eric Clapton plays second-rate dusty blues licks. And under that it says, Weird Al Yankovic is America's modern pop rock genius. What? You made it into his journals, Weird Al. Oh, that's pretty cool. His private journals. And I was perusing. I found out about Weird Al Yankovic little tidbits right here. Oh, Eric Clapton, in your face. (laughs) At the top of the page, Weird Al right there. Oh, yeah, look at that. It says Weird Al right there on the page. At the top. That's pretty cool. So you really didn't have too much interaction with Kurt Cobain, did you? Uh, I I talked to him on the phone, and I I hung out with him at a restaurant for about 35 seconds. What restaurant, by the way? It was uh, somewhere on Fairfax Avenue in Los Angeles, one of those... Cool restaurants. It's so hip, it doesn't even have a name out front. Then he was there with a bunch of people, and uh, I, I saw he was eating dinner there, so I didn't want to bother him, but I walked over and said, Hey, Curtis, you know, Al Yankovic, and thank you for letting me do Smells Like Nirvana. And, uh, you know, it, it meant a lot to me, and I, I'll, you know, I'll do anything you want me to do to show my appreciation. And he basically said, Just polish my fingernails. And I did. I just polished the fingernails of the table, and he was very happy. But now you actually have proof there in the I Nirvana journal. I had, they're right here. Look, his actual journals. So if. People buy this, money will go to... Oh, look, it says reward if found. You can, Hey, there you go. <laughs> we're all going to make money. Cool. Because we're enriched. Yes. We're enriched. I'm going to put this down here with the Blowfly album. There we go. Oh, weird Al, here we are in Richmond, British Columbia, Canada. Are you f- sure it's not Vancouver? It sure feels like Vancouver. It is Richmond. Okay, fine. Not Burnaby, home of Michael J. Fox. Mm-mm. Now, a few years ago, I interviewed Chameleonaire. You did? The rapper Chameleonaire. I remember him. Yeah, you're a good buddy. Yeah. Now, he was wearing a hat during the interview. As are you. As am I. And I asked him if his hat was bulletproof, and he denied it. <laughs> Chameleonaire denied his hat was bulletproof. You should never admit to something like that, because if somebody told me, like, if you told me your hat was bulletproof, I'd tr- put a cap in you right now just to ch- check it out. So in your interactions with Chameleonaire, did you find out if he had a bulletproof hat? And do you have a bulletproof hat? Yeah, that never came up uh, in discussion. Uh, we, we got to co-present at the American Music Awards. and uh, Was he wearing a hat? He wasn't wearing a hat, but if he had been wearing a hat, that would be the, my first question, obviously. Have you ever had a bulletproof hat? Would you ever consider that? Have you ever seen any bulletproof stuff? 
Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen a bulletproof hat. What, is it, what does it look like? Well, I guess the one that 50 Cent wears. Is that really a bulletproof hat? I think hat? he has a bulletproof hat. They all have bulletproof hats. Maybe it's Lloyd Banks wears that. Hey, Are you down with the G-Unit? I am down with a G-Unit, G. Weird Al Yankovic, opening acts. I've looked at the opening acts you've had on some of your tours, and some of them have been pretty interesting. For instance, I saw build Weird Al, comma, Chainsaw Carving. Yeah, I think that was on this tour. You know, we, we play... Uh, in a, Utah. You know, we play an occasional state fair, so it's like we'll be built next to the chainsaw carvers. Like, uh, you know, Weird Al and Tractor Pull. Have there been any other things? Like, have you played with puppet shows? What have you played with over the years? Who opens for Weird Al? Uh, Does anybody open for Weird Al and cover Weird Al before Weird Al can come up on stage? We, we used to have all sorts of opening acts. Uh, for this tour, it's, it's an evening with, with Al because the show's almost two and a half hours long. Except the chainsaw carving. Except, you know, that, that's on a whole different stage, you know. Uh, but there's only so much weirdness that uh, people can take in any given finite amount of time. So, you know, we figure that that's enough for, for now. Weird Al, I was asking you about Blowfly, and you know, you, people don't want to get confused between you and Blowfly, but isn't there an entire website out there called, like, Not Al Songs? Like, people get confused. Every parody song is not written by you. Or is it, Al? Well, <laughs> you want to take credit for that. Yeah, I know. The tr- truth is, it's not. Like, I've been around so long that anytime people hear, uh, hears a parody song, they go, oh, must be Weird Al Yankovic. And so I get credit for a lot of uh, the, the, the songs on those peer-to-peer file-sharing sites. Now, uh, what particular ones have you been impressed by, the songs you've taken credit for, which really maybe you shouldn't take credit for the people yell from the audience oh uh, you know who, who does bob rivers and uh, mark davis uh, there's a few people out there that actually do really quality stuff and and uh, you know if it if it's good sure i'll take credit for it but but 98 of the stuff out there that's got my name on it that isn't really by me isn't really so good you know what i mean you do know what i mean don't you i do weird al thank you for your time i do appreciate it no no now, thank you now winding up here who is and who are the harry fox agency uh, harry fox agency would be an agency where in uh, songs would be cleared. So if you need to clear a song for a cover version, you just you just call up Harry and go, Harry, come on, work with me here, work with me, Harry, Harry! After all these years, do you get a good deal with Harry? You know, Harry and I, we're sort of like this. East side. Weird Al, pirates are big these days, aren't they? Pirates are big. They're huge. What They're sort of, large. What sort of pirates are you integrating into your act, Weird Al? Um, you know, I, I, it, it's sort of subliminal pirates. I don't want to be too uh, obvious or, or overt about my inclusion of pirates in the live show. So, in fact, we offer a cash reward to somebody who can spot the pirate. I was wondering, a concertina. What is a concertina? And would you ever integrate a concertina into your act? I'm calling your act. Are you insulted by that weird out? I, I am, but please continue to do so. Uh, a concertina is similar to an accordion, although uh, most concertinas have buttons on both sides. I only usually, usually play buttons on the left side and play the keyboard on the right side. But with a concertina, it would be buttons on both sides. And that would be... Did I spit on you? I'm so sorry. Very sorry. No, you didn't. I was going to say that's very piratish. Pirates loved a concertina, didn't they? No, they, they did. And, and, you know, I, I, I'm more apt to incorporate a parrot uh, into my act than a concertina, because a concertina, that's just, it's too many buttons. Too many buttons, my friend. Weirdo, who's your favorite polka artist these days? I was hoping you might say Walter... Ostinek? From? From uh, Canada. From Canada! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he would be my favorite. He's won lots of Grammys, hasn't he? Tons. And you've won some Grammys. I have. And you've made some people mad by winning Grammys, haven't you, Weirdo? Yes. For instance, you beat comedian David Cross. You beat him out. Did, was he up for a polka Grammy? No, he was up for a comedy Grammy. And is he mad now? Well, he might be. And I'm going to be interviewing him shortly. And I was wondering, could you give a little message to David Cross to say, sorry, I beat you for the Grammy? Yes. 
David, uh, I'm a big fan, and you know I am, and 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 we're 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 close friends, and I'm I'm just very sorry that that you didn't win the Grammy a couple of years ago, and and you you really should have, cause cause I suck. I'm sorry, David. I'm sorry. Sorry, Al. I didn't mean to bring this incident up. <laughs> Why did I have to win that Grammy? Why? 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 David hates me now. You've been on panels with him since, so. Really? Yeah, I thought you did some panel with him a little while back. Look, have you judged stuff? You're a judge oh. for a lot of stuff, oh, aren't you? Oh, you know, I think we, we, yeah, we're judging some song contest together, but we haven't done it yet. So we're on a we're on a theoretical panel together. So we'll see if he comes up to you now. It's a virtual panel. And you are weird. Al Yanko. V. Now, Weird Al, you wouldn't be a Weird Al without Dr. Demento in some ways, right? Dr. Demento is why you're here today. In some ways, uh, yeah, you could probably say that if Dr. Demento never existed, I would be living in an alternate reality. From the guy who brought you fish heads, he brings you Weird Al. There what you can go. you tell me about the fish? Who else has Dr. Demento brought to the world? You, Weird Al. Uh, and tell about the fish head. What about the fish head? The fish heads, Barnes and Barnes. Uh, Art Barnes and Artie Barnes. And actually, uh, Art Barnes, a.k.a. Bill Moomey, is uh, the guy, a little Will Robinson on Lost in Space, and he's the guy that introduced me to my wife. So everything's interconnected. The fabric of reality, it's, it blows my mind. When you're on the Tom Snyder show, your drummer is the same drummer you have today, right? It is. It's amazing looking at footage of him. What is he playing on the Tom Snyder show? It's like he's doing all these weird noises and pounding on something. What is that? What did you do back then? That was my accordion case, my friend. He was on the floor, on his knees, banging on my accordion case, uh, uh, squeaking bulb horns, blowing into siren whistles and duck calls, and just being really silly. I had no idea he was going to do that. He made, made a real fool out of himself. Lastly here, Weird Al, record covers. In the United States of America and Canada, you can choose your record covers, can't you? More or less, yes. I heard that in other territories, other people choose your record covers. Is that true? Uh, perhaps in some. Are you thinking of anything in particular? No, I mean, when you've seen your records from other countries, do they have different covers than you intended? Oh, I think, like, in, in Japan, I've... Over here. Oh, in Japan, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I, uh, when I go over there and I see my record albums, I do this. I go, what? Or... Huh? Sort of like that. You mentioned Kenny G right off the top of the interview. Would you consider him replacing Michael Richards in UHF Part 2 to sequel? You know, I, I, I've got to call into Kenny G as we speak, and, and you know, uh, we'll see if the, the long-standing feud has cooled down and see if he's willing to take over the role of Stanley Spadowski. UHF where, if you notice, we have this little poster up here, the fabulous poodles. Are there not poodles in UHF? There are poodles in UHF, uh, they, they, poodles that can fly or, or, or attempt to fly. Or get thrown off Sundex. That, or that, yes. That's what we brought this here for you today. Thank Think you. Pink, the fabulous poodle. Very nice. There are quite a few. Will there be any poodles tonight at the gig, Weird Al? Uh, the, 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 the pirates are holding poodles under their arms. So look for those as well. With the concertina. Yes. Well, thanks so much, Weird Al. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Yes. Why should people care about Weird Al Yankovic? I don't know. Because I floss regularly, and I think dental hygiene is very important. Well, thanks much, Weird Al. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do 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 Almost do 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 Go ahead, y'all. Shitting here till evening come 
wishing my tears falling that I take them back out again. Oh, I'm shitting off the dock of the bay, watching my great big tears float away. Shitting off the dock of the bay, making a big stand.